Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning, 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific, and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Angel Lemire is released from a juvenile detention on the eve of her 18th birthday. Haunted by her past, Angel embarks on a journey with her 10-year-old sister, Abby, to avenge her mother's death. And that is the very simple premise of a wonderful film that was an award winner at Sundance and is in theaters today. Uh, The film is called Night Comes On, and we're joined today by the director and co-writer of the film, and that would be Jordana Spiro. Jordana, welcome to film school. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate this. Thank you. Uh, this is a, a film that is such a intimate, personal film, uh, and I'm very curious as to the origins of the story. Obviously, Angelica Wandu was co- co-author of the film. Where did all of this come about? Yeah, I started playing around with, uh, and, and partially as a reflection of how and where I was feeling, um, with the story of a character who felt lost, um, powerless, and who just was truly hungry to have a purpose, um, to feel meaningful. So much that she might attach herself to uh, a narrative that's ultimately self-destructive, just so she could wake up and feel like she knew what, what she was going to do in the morning. Um, and at the same time, I was volunteering with an organization called Peace for Kids, that, uh, a nonprofit out in Los Angeles that supports uh, the foster youth community out there. And I, and I started to learn a lot about what it means to age out of foster care, um, which is just, you know, a, a, a brutally challenging time. So uh, with, with real admiration for what those young people were going through, I, I started to think about setting the story there. But because that background is not my own, it didn't feel um, I, I didn't feel like I would do the experience of what that's like justice if I didn't um, work with somebody who could speak to that experience firsthand. Mm-hmm. So Angelica and I met through uh, Peace for Kids, that organization, and I shared with her... Um, you know, the treatment of the of the story and where I was with it and what I hoped to achieve. And, and she um, she felt real resonance with it. And, uh, you know, she just really hit the ground running. Yeah, that's... The, the story is is sparse as far the 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 sort of the broad outlines of it um angels getting out of a detention center she's been in trouble uh some with a sort of escalating level of of the crimes involved and there's and there and one of the real strengths of the film is the things that are unsaid in this film so mm-hmm. it seems like from the very beginning we see her uh just prior to her release we see uh, some dialogue back and forth about what, how she, why she was there, and and the circumstances that will await her when she gets out. 
And almost immediately in the film, you kind of establish this sort of tension in her story. We, we, there was a reference to her, her mother being killed, her father being accused of it. And, and there's, and there's an unspoken thread that runs through the entire film in terms of her interaction with other, the probation officer, uh, with her sister, that there is something that she is determined to do. Or it, there's a, there's a hint of it. it. And I just thought that that, introducing that element into the film so quickly and so uh, effectively really brings up the level in terms of um, the, the, the story itself. It heightens all of the behavior. The, the dialogue becomes a little more serious and a little more fraught with emotion. I thought that was just a brilliant way to get us into the story and to keep us there. Um, tell me if, if I'm, if that, you feel like that's what you were, did I read something into it that wasn't there? Yeah, but, yeah, no. yeah, you know, I mean, I, 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 I think more often than not, we don't give our audiences enough credit. Um, I think more often than not, everything is just, you know, so spoon-fed and over-explained to the point where it just doesn't sound to me like how Um And so I just really like subtext. <laughs> As an actor, I really like playing that, there, that subtext exists, and I really like writing it. Um, you know, writing a line where, in fact, what the line is saying is not at all what the person is saying, but then you get these really wonderful actors like Dominique Fishback and Marilyn Tatum Hall to come in and, and imbue it with all these different, you know, with all these layers so that way you can sense that what they're saying is not, in fact, what they mean. Yes. Um, but because I, I, I knew that I wanted to play with that kind of sparseness um, and because I didn't want to make a film that was just sort of straight portraiture, Mm-hmm. Um, that's where the idea of the kind of the, the device of the revenge um, m- m- made, you know, was, was, was helpful. So that way we could have a kind of a narrative thrust or kind of an engine pulling us forward to an end. Because yeah. that's also the kind of filmmaking that I, I or the kind of films that I like, where you know what story you're watching and you can be engaged and pulled forward. And then because you have that, then you can kind of live in a more kind of sparse, you know, nuanced kind of place. Yeah. Well, what it also does for me is everything matters, whether it's dialogue, whether it's a, a particular a look from from one of the other characters in the film. Everything when you're when you when you're in this kind of a quieter sort of sparse film as you're describing it, things that are just heightened and in your if you're paying attention you're getting information and that's another thing in the first five to ten minutes of the film certainly within the first ten minutes i got so much information about her and about the circumstances and about and also uh you play with this this uh idea of the system she's in an incarcerated uh system a incarceration system and all of the different people that she comes in contact with in, in, especially in the first few minutes, are intensely aware of the possibilities, knowing the circumstances of what she, what what has happened in her life. So all of these things engage an audience. That's one of the things that you've done with the film. You pulled you pulled me in. You you got me interested. And then, you, as you said, you didn't play down to to the audience. You allow them to pick up these clues and, and more 
clearer understanding of what is happening and why. And and that those are the things that I just think separate a film like yours from most films is that there's that ability to trust the audience and also be smart about the way that your characters engage others in the film, uh, which which is what you've done here. It's just a, such a beautifully scripted uh, film. And, it, and, and I, I just, I really felt engaged. I really felt immediately like I have to know what's going to happen with all of these people. So much. Um, that's, uh, that's, um, that's really exciting to hear because I think that, you know, one of the things that we're asking an audience to do with this film is to sound. Um, that was, uh, intentional um, you know while while some movies are best served by being fast and energetic and exciting in that way I felt that this film would be best served if we can live in in a kind of a, a, a quieter more contemplative place yeah how would you describe the style for our for our listeners I, I, I don't know I've I've done enough to sort of set the the to- I mean, I've heard it referred to as neorealism. Um, is is there a sort of a way for people to understand what I'm talking about when I talk about the sparseness and the rest of it? How would you describe to someone who hasn't seen the film a description sort of generally as is? Sure. You know, one of the things that I was attempting, uh, one of the things I was hoping to achieve was a kind of a lyricism, I guess you could call it, um, a kind of a... a uh, I, I guess you could say like a poetic realism in that it's totally rooted in reality, and yet because we are living so much in in her subjective reality, right. of course, when we're inside our own mind, um, it's it's not, it's no longer anymore just a straight straight um, straight reality, right? Because how we interpret information, what sounds we hear what we choose to look at, all of those things become details that inform us about the character. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really just wanted to be inside of her experience completely. So we felt like we were totally with her and we were, you know, strapped to her back, if you will. Yeah. So yeah. the style was um, was very subjectively filmed. Um, it was like a lot of uh, you know, long lenses with a kind of a breathing, not a, not a shaky handheld, but a kind of a, a breathing handheld right. kind of feeling, um, and and that we're cluing into the details, specifically what is she looking at, specifically what is she hearing, um, and then what that allowed us to do is kind of have some flights into fantasy and into her daydreams. Yeah. Um, so then we could have a little bit of that kind of um, um, I don't know if you'd call it magic realism. I don't know. I don't know it's totally a, what it, what falls into what category from a kind of an academic standpoint. Right. But um, but uh, it just because I I think sometimes the way the way a character the way our fantasies work or the way our daydreams work sometimes tell us more about our emotional reality right. than words words ever could right it really is all from her point of view the whole film is really just her um angel's point of view and two things i I, just i'm going to make up a phrase so you know if you it's sort of a gritty magical realism um 
it's very it's very very much so and even within that we see these flashbacks these these uh, daydreams if you will or imaginings that angel has regarding her mom uh, there's a beautiful opening that, that um, I was going to try and quote the entire thing, but I'll just I'll leave it alone. And uh, when she's talking about cars driving by the house and how the mom would, how her mom would tell her that it's like being at the beach, it's like the sound of the waves, and that you carry that theme through the film. There's a lot of uh, those kind of threads that you. That's one of another thing about the film. You continue to pull these threads that we see in the very opening first few minutes of it. You pull on those all the way through the film, which is really a wonderful uh, technique, a wonderful way of telling this story. A um, couple of things Thank you. moving forward on this is that you and your cinematographer were, were had to have been on the right uh, on the same page here, and um, because it feels like that that truly was what it feels like. You uh, you and Hatui and Say his name for me. Uh, yeah, Atwe. Atwe. How you pronounce his name and how it looks written are totally different. Uh, okay. Atwe. Atwe Viveros. I might even butchered that, didn't I? Atwe Viveros. Should be better. Mexican. Yeah, it just it. He did a fantastic job uh, with. You were talking about lensing yeah. and you know distances and setting up scenes. The framing is spectacular. Lighting looks great. Uh, it's all feel, feels very natural. Everything feels completely natural. Um, for people who kind of know the early work of like Sean Baker and Ramin Barani and um, some, and there's a lot of other film refer- filmmaker references to be made. But uh, I'm a big fan of, of those those uh, their work. It feels like uh, um, that that sort of that's how it looks and feels uh, watching it. Um, and also. Well, just tell, talk a little bit about your relationship to the, you know, the cinematographer. I think you've sort of described it by the the different ways that you, you shot. Yeah, but... happily, and, and coincidentally, I'm very. Uh, it's a, it's it's exciting for me to hear you say Ramin Barani because, in fact, he's one of my mentors. Oh. So um, I was very grateful that I had the opportunity to call him up and get his advice on different drafts of the script um, and on certain cuts of the film. So um, he was a huge um, he was a huge support and very generous um, with his uh, with his guidance. Um, so it's exciting that you that you that you mention um, that you mention him. Yeah. Um, um, for you know Atwe and I, we did a short film together called Skin. Um, so we had had a working, we had already had a working relationship and the way that we like to work is, um, we love to look at photographs and, and even painting. Uh-huh. Um, and I just sort of like awash him in images, tons of images from that we start to, um, kind of pull what feels like a kind of a cohesive through line huh. in all of my references. Yeah. Um, and, and for this, we just decided because we knew we wanted to feel so inside of her, um, or, you know, so attached to her experience and, 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 and through her viewpoint that being close to her was very important. Um, and then, you know, for instance, like how we wanted the mother, the, uh, anything that felt like a memory we wanted it to feel kind of like uh, fractured, if you will. Yeah. Um, the, the way, the way, at least for me, when I think about m- memories 
you know, they come to me in little bits and pieces right. um, and fragments. Um, and so, you know, I would say a few of the, the photographers that we kept going back to were um, Mary Ellen Mark, uh, Brenda Ann Keneally, um, and um, a very interesting current uh, photographer, Petra Collins, who I think does such a beautiful job, and I'm so inspired by the way she creates such intimacy um, within um, she photographs a lot of teenagers, um, and uh, uh, so 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 we just sort of wash ourselves in, in references of, of photographs and paintings, and and, um, and then from there we start to build a language. And yeah. one of the beautiful things about Atwe is that um, he actually uh, directs a lot of um, documentary films, and so he has a very wonderful way of being present in a totally gentle way because he's used to working with subjects who have never been in front of a camera before and are sharing very intimate things about their life. So he's very able to make somebody feel comfortable and like he's kind of invisible, but um, like a very kind invisible presence you know yeah well yeah and yeah i mean there you go i mean i i there's some cinematographers out there who do a lot of documentary work i think of sean price williams who who does who's worked with the softy brothers who i love his work this feels it it, it feels like that from i mean it just it just works i'm I'm just gonna leave it there it just works beautifully by the way i want to remind our listeners we're speaking with jordana spiro she is the director and co-writer of the film night comes on it's opening today here in los angeles at the limley noho seven uh and are you in town by any chance for us for i'm not i actually was yesterday but i just i just got back to new york uh okay uh late last night as a matter of fact so i could be at the uh at the new york at the New York screening, but I'm happy to say that Angelica Wandu, the co-writer, is uh, going to be at the at the Lemleys for uh, some Q and A's. Fantastic, especially probably for the 7:45 screening here. If, if that's yes, I believe so. So uh, on the third, and I believe the fourth, and the fourth, fantastic. So Friday and Saturday night, fantastic. Well, uh, okay, we'll go and see it because she's such a. This story is so. Uh, so well written and 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 the dialogue is fantastic. So to see Angelica uh, Wandu uh, would be wonderful to see and hear from her. Uh, real quick, uh, the the cast is again. I think there's so many elements to to appreciate in the film, but the fact that Dominica Fishback and uh, uh, Tatum Marilyn Hall essentially carry this film, especially Dominique, uh, is amazing. It's an amazing performance by on both of their parts. Uh, Tatum is such a, a a wonderful counterpoint to uh, Abby. Is such a wonderful counterpoint to Angel. Amazing, and um, uh, and to see James, so James yeah, oh, they're great in the film. And to see James McDonald, uh, sorry, James McDaniel again. He is just a small role, but terrific. Max Casella uh, is. All of these people are just fantastically cast, and and the performances are. I just uh, I don't know what to say except how how where did you find uh Dominique uh Fishback? Well so Dominique, um, who a lot of people know her as Darlene on uh, the Deuce, uh on HBO. Right. Um 
she, it was uh, sort of a beautiful coincidence in that, um, uh, you know, I'd been looking for a while for Angel. Um, we had a, a, a street casting approach that we were working through for about a year um, before um, we had the, you know, the financing and we were greenlit. We could bring on uh, Julie Schubert, who was our casting director. But so it was me and a team of two incredible uh, ladies, Marlena Scrobe and Olivia Cresser. And we um, were, um, for about a year, saw over, you know, I think, I think, I think like around a thousand people for oh. Angel and God. Abby, mostly Abby, because we had a sense that we would be able to find Angel, you know, professionally just because she's older and, you know, there would be more of an experienced pool of actors to pull from. Um, but so as that was going on, um, uh, I worked very, very briefly with Dominique on a show, um, one episode, um, and I, uh, and I thought, wow, she's, I was intrigued by her. I thought she was talented. And she told me that she was, um, in a one woman show that she had, that she was performing in a one woman show that she had written and she was playing 22 different characters. Oh my so God. I went to go see that and confirmed her obvious talent and, um, and then, uh, funnily enough, when we started working with Julie, our casting director, Ju- Dominique was the like pretty much the first person that Julie recommended um, and strongly recommended. She was such a fan of hers, um, wow. and um, so so Dominique, you know, had had been um, has been has been working. I think the Deuce is uh, her second David Simon show. Right, right. Um, Tatum. Uh, Marlena and Olivia found at found um, well they scouted her at a um, at a step competition in the Bronx actually uh, and you know as we put her through the paces of auditions it just became clear I mean it was pretty clear immediately that she was going to be right for Abby because she just has such um, vitality and intelligence and sarcasm and uh, uh, charisma and then at the same time she can be so in touch with her emotions Um, and she's so accessible and so the the audition process for her just became a matter of just making sure she could actually sort of channel it on cue if you will yeah well and she by the way she was nine when she made when she when she was filming the film there's yeah both of these performances uh, seem so. Yeah, she is. I'm sorry. Uh, both of these performances are, are so unforced, and there's a lot going on. There's a lot of nuance, especially in the part of Angel. There's a lot of the cues back and forth between watching them, the two of them work off of one another. Uh, the the uh, Tatum's uh, Marilyn Hall has this beautiful face, this wonderful. The eyes are so expressive. It's just, it's just really wonderful to watch both of them work together in in the film, and uh, and how how that sort of softening up that Abby is able to achieve over the course of the time they're together, how you can see in Dominic's performance as Angel, how she begins to see something in her life that she hadn't seen before, I think, or at least appreciated the way uh, their relationship unfolds. It's just, just beautiful. Thank you. That's very much what we were, what we were going for that, you know, Angel had kind of, Angel has kind of, um, shut down yeah. um, for a variety of reasons, yeah. you know, has shut down herself yeah. to feeling and has sort of, you know, shielded herself and become a bit um, numb and inaccessible. Right. And 
Abby is this kind of, you know, life force. Yes. Um, you know, that, that, that has the potential or the possibility to kind of recharge uh, Angel and shift Angel's perspective. Yeah. Um, so thank you for for uh, for taking that in. <laughs> it, yeah, it's certainly it's, what we were going for. It's beautiful. It, it, the whole thing. Again, the film, I cannot recommend it highly enough. It's The film is called Night Comes On. The uh, it, as I said at the top of the interview, it won the it was a Next Innovator Award at uh, the Sundance Film Festival this year, uh, and it yes, well the well yeah <laughs> wow what a way to kick off the year is to be at Sundance and to be uh, ha- you know handed an award in front of uh, some of the <laughs> some of the, yeah <laughs> well it was, uh, it was certainly a dream come true I, I yeah uh, it was. Yeah, it was a, it was a very special moment. Well, you did you did three uh, three or four short films before you this one, so you had some directing uh, under the belt before you went into this. But boy, this just feels like you're at the beginning on the uh, uh, on the cusp of something very special. And uh, I certainly hope that you uh, you do you continue to make uh, whatever film you want. But this was certainly a, a fantastic film, and uh, my my hats off to you as a filmmaker and writer and. Uh, and uh, continued success, Jordana. This is uh, yeah. Please keep keep going. Uh, and well, uh, thank you so much, and thank you for the attention to the film. And I I um, I really I really appreciate it so much. And um, yeah, and yeah. I hope you're right. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're welcome. The film again is Night Comes On. The director and co-writer is Jordana Spiroshis. Thank you for joining us today on on the show. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.